The opinions of Fred Fowler and A.J. Hoffman don't reflect the views of Gal Media. Parental discretion is advised. KFNC Mont Bellevue, Houston, a Gal Media station. Live from the Veritex Community Bank Studios, this is The Blitz on ESPN 97.5. And on ESPN 92.5. Today's Blitz Rewind starts now. If you get a burger that looks really nice, that's great. But what would you rather have? A burger that tastes great and looks gross or a burger that looks great and tastes gross? I I like the ones that actually look gross and taste great. Of course you do. Yeah. That's what every normal person should want. Yeah. Unless you're a burger photographer. I've had some gross looking burgers that were fantastic. That's what I'm saying. We talked about this with Lance before. Everything could be a smokescreen and everything could be real. Chances are good that any Anything that gets said this far in front of the draft isn't real. The only team that has no reason to lie is Jacksonville. Everybody else, you can make up some kind of reasoning that like, well, maybe they're just trying to get someone else to jump up and trade with them. There's 31 teams out there that have a reason to be full of bleep on what they plan on doing or what they want to do because they're still making moves behind the scenes. Yeah, I just totally distrust stories that have only anonymous scouts. Here's Fred Fowler and A.J. Hoffman. And we are back on the Blitz, our number three. 713-780-ESPN is your number. 713-780-3776. You can also get us on the Blitz Facebook page. Find the Blitz. Click like. You are good to go. Twitter at Fred Power, F-A-O-U-R. At AJ is the real. At Aaron is Blitzed. At Degenerates975. You can text the show. You know the number for that. Watch us on Twitch. Twitch.tv slash ESPN975. Miss the first two hours. Pretty good stuff. You can find that on uh, the ESPN975.com website eventually. So, we made fun of Oklahoma. We, uh, <laughs> well, that's nothing new. We got a lot of draft talk in, which is yeah, always good this week. And uh, we'll hopefully have some more here at some point. I, I don't know if you saw this story. I had it last week. I never really got around to it. That there was video of the Vikings when they drafted, uh, when the Eagles drafted before them last year. Oh, like uh, laughing at them passing on Justin Jefferson? Yeah, because they didn't take Justin Jefferson. It turns out they were right. That was really stupid. They were right to laugh at him. All right, nobody laughs at Lance Erline because he's the best. He's terrific. He's tremendous. You can follow him at uh, Lance Erline on Twitter, NFL Network. What's going on, buddy? Saw you on TV the other day looking sharp. Yeah, I'm staying staying busy with that now, especially this week. It'll be... uh... It'll be a grind, but at least I'm not doing my radio show at five in the morning Pacific time like I use like I used to do when I'd have to fly out to California this week. That is sort of a uh, that. So you're saying COVID is helping you in this instance? Yeah, yeah. With Eric Layden on my podcast, and I would say, you know, the good thing about COVID, yeah. anytime you lead off with that, that's that's a little tricky. Well, you're a fan of COVID. You've been a long, long, uh, long time supporter, right? I, I mean, a fan of it. <laughs> I respect it like I respected the Steelers when I was a little kid. I was always ruined that they were going to wreck the uh, tech, the uh, Oilers, but, you know, not a fan, but I just respected them. I, I wasn't a fan of Marvin Hagler. I just respected him a great deal. I wasn't a fan of, uh, you know, uh, Uriah Hall's left leg. I just respected what it could do to my shin. Yeah. Oh, what was your – see, I was coaching baseball when that happened. And I got off the field to a bunch of texts like, oh, God, did you see this? And I was like, oh, what's going to happen? 
What what were you? I mean, did you watch it live? And what was your initial reaction? Yeah, I watched it live, and I was just horrified. And you know, the fight before, uh, Krupp got kicked yeah. in the leg and basically just caused his his, his uh, nerve to go numb. So he had drop foot to where he was rolling his ankle just whenever he tried to walk, and uh, and it was that was horrific just watching that. And then to see that kick, and it was a pop, like it was a loud thud. And then when you could see it floppy, and it just brought back uh, Kevin Ware from Louisville in basketball, Joe Montana. Um, you know, we've seen – not Joe Montana. I'm Joe sorry, Theismann. We, we, we've seen those things at different sports at different times. But then UFC – here's the difference. The NFL immediately will cut away. Now, I give the UFC credit. <laughs> they cut away, and they just stuck on Uriah Hall during a lot of that process. But then once once Chris uh, uh, once Chris Weidman was you know had the air cast on was being taken out they showed the instant replay two or three times slow motion and obviously it's the same you know, the people in the in, in the uh, arena are watching <laughs> oh man was it horrific when you could see the legs start flopping in live and in person but then when you invariably glance up at the TV just to watch at least one of the replays it is even worse well we paid 60 bucks for 65 bucks they better show the replay yeah i mean it was i i i like the fight i mean i like the card i i saw two creepy crazy things happen and Um, you saw three knockouts i got to see two sweet knockouts and then i got to see the most vicious female fighter in the game today i think i mean I, i don't know i mean um what's her name not not andre but uh who's the other one the heavier one I'm blanking out right now. Valentina? The, Are you what's that? Valentina Shevchenko? No, no, no. Well, Shevchenko is the fighter I'm talking about now. I'm talking about who is it with the heavy hands and Are the you, heavier division. You're talking about the 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 weight class? Amanda right Nunez, now. the weight class up? Yeah, Amanda Nunez. Yeah, yeah. oh, yeah. Amanda, Amanda Nunez, Nunez, the ba- Nunez, she's the baddest. Shevchenko is probably the most dominant fighter that I've ever seen in the women's game. and She's probably more well-rounded than Nunez in terms of how she can beat you. I mean, she put... She put a Brazilian fighter in a in a in a freaking crucifix, and that's unheard of. She was just doing that just to make sure she understood that she could go on the ground against the Brazilian fighter and just pummel her. That's true, but never forget that uh, um, Amanda Nunes is, has already beat Valentina twice, so we can't call her the most dominant because Amanda no, beat and, her and, twice. Amanda Nunes is a lot bigger than Shevchenko, isn't she? Uh, her, yeah, she, like, well, Shevchenko used to fight two weight classes and Amanda Nunes basically said, no, you can fight that lower weight class only. You ain't here anymore. Sorry, honey. Yeah, yeah. You're not, you're not coming up here. Beat it. Yeah. But uh, if she keeps winning like that, their fight will be there. Uh, let's talk about the draft for a minute. Any, any feel now for who the third pick is? Is there, is it any more sure or less sure than it was a week ago? No, I've always felt Mac Jones or or potentially the long shot would be and I was giving out this long shot last week on the air, the Trey Lance plus five hundred, plus six hundred. And uh now it's now it's Mac Jones minus one ninety, Trey Lance plus one ten, and then Justin Fields is now plus five hundred. So I do think it's one of those two. Um I'm getting some mixed messages about people who've spoken with with uh members of the front office of San Francisco at the second Alabama Pro Day, I think more than likely anything that came out of there was an attempt to 
to smokescreen anybody that was asking about, you know, and I'm not, I'm not talking about media members. I'm talking about other people who are in the football world. Um, I think it's going to be Max Jones, but you know, the, the entire time I felt like Trey Lance is the, is the guy who should be the pick. I mean, he should be the fit, but I don't know that that was ever the case initially. If that was initially, they traded up because for a reason. Now it could have been that they had two or three players in mind and they knew that they would really like at least one of them, that they wanted to go in that direction. And maybe that, maybe that was the point, but maybe that was the case. But I still think there is, um, if you go with Trey Lance, you're going to have to let him set for a year. If you go with Mac Jones, you got a chance to deal, uh, Jimmy Garoppolo. So I don't know. It's getting tight now. It's getting really tight. I mean, I'm kind of all in on, on Mac Jones, but. Not because I like him there. I don't. I don't like him there. I just think that I don't think you make that trade unless you really, really liked a certain quarterback earlier in that process. What are the Broncos going to do? And we were just t- kind of talking about them. The way that it looks like maybe a quarterback's not going to be sitting for them at nine the way they thought he, there would be. It, it, do they maybe make an offer for Jordan Love, or is, is that a lateral move from from what they've already gotten? Drew Lock. I think if they want a quarterback, they're going to have to potentially see if uh, the Bengals are willing to move out of five, and I'm not sure that they are, or if Miami is willing to move out of six, and I think potentially they will be. So if you want to, you could move ahead of that seven spot and get up to number six, and Miami would say, yeah, we'll, we'll take some more first-round picks. We'll sit at nine, and we'll draft Jalen Waddle and Devontae Smith. Because I think that's how it would go down. I mean, if, if you moved up to six, five could be – I don't think five is going to be Panay Sewell. I think it will be a wide receiver. So then at six, if you have Kyle Pitts going four, um, Pitts four, and then Jamar Chase five, then all of a sudden at six, you would have Denver could move up to number nine, get their hands on Justin Fields if that's who they wanted, or the other quarterback. And here's the thing. If, if Trey Lance goes three and not Mac Jones, Mac Jones is going to fall. Mac Jones may fall right to number 15 at New England, or maybe New England would move up, but he's going to fall. And, he, and if New England really likes Justin Fields instead of uh, Mac Jones, then Mac Jones could be in for a big tumble. I did a little bit of a TV. I did a TV hit with Charlie Cashley today. He said on the air that he thought Mac Jones could fall all the way to the back end of the first or maybe even beyond, because that's what happens when the quarterback slips, and let's face it, I mean, I don't think Mac Jones is truly carrying a true first-round grade. I never have. So he could end up getting drafted more like where he's graded, which would make more sense. Um, but I do think Denver, if they need, Denver could talk to number six, Miami, or number seven, Detroit, and potentially safeguard themselves against uh, New England coming up and getting uh, a quarterback. I know who like we're talking about. Well, Zach Wilson going two, and maybe Trey Lance going three. All these outside of Trevor Lawrence, like who are the top three or four players in this draft? And like, it just not not position. Like, who are the the three or four best players after Trevor Lawrence in this draft? Well, to me, there is a distinct number. I think it's it's uh, Trevor Lawrence, it's Kyle Pitts, it's Devontae Smith, Jamar Chase, Jalen Waddle. Patrick Sertan and Micah Parsons. Those are the those are the guys who are the most special, in my opinion, in this draft. They carry my highest grades. Um, and you know, notice that what a three of them are, are Alabama guys, so not a 
not a huge surprise they won the national championships. But I think those are the players that are most special in this draft. Now, you know, Micah Parsons may not be drafted inside of the top six. Some of it's because he's got a little, a little bit of a character background that you have to be okay with. And then the second thing is just linebackers typically are not going to have the same value. It's just some teams just don't covet linebackers inside the top eight to nine picks. Um, Devontae Smith may fall out of the top ten into the teens. I think there's a decent chance that that could happen. That doesn't, to me, diminish how good he is. Whether he's 166 pounds or 196 pounds, he's a damn good football player. So those are the guys, AJ, that I think are the best football players that I've identified as, as my top players, as guys all carrying a, a 7-0 grade or higher other than I think I think Micah Parsons is in the 6-8 category and so is um, Jalen Waddle, but that's high. That's really high for me. And once you get below that, then you get into Panay Sewell or Sean Slater. Uh, my first quarterback after that is a 6.5, which is kind of a boom or bust grade, and that's really more like 12 through 16, and that's uh, Zach Wilson. So I don't see these quarterbacks like everyone else is you know, going all crazy over these generational elite talent. They're they're elite generational elite group of warriors and so, nah, they're just it's just nah, a year where everybody one. needs one. <laughs> there's one, but yeah, it's just it's just supply demand. It doesn't make them special. It just means you're overdrafting them. Do you have a, a Waddle Smith Chase? Do you have them in in a certain order, or do you think they're all kind of yeah? Into I a have bag? it. Um, me personally, I have it literally uh, Smith and and. Chase tied, and then Waddle behind very slightly. But I just think all three of them are special along with Pitts. I mean, to me, Pitts is the equivalent of Quentin Nelson when he came out. You had Saquon Barkley, who was probably the best football player, and then it was right behind him was, was um, you know, and Saquon was way up there. Right behind him was Quentin Nelson. I think Pitts is the, the Quentin Nelson of this draft where there's nobody even like him in this year's class, and then really he's going to be a guy in 10 years that you say, wow, I mean, what an unbelievable player this guy's turned out to be. He's all pro. He's one of the best that's ever played the position. I think that they're going to say that about Quentin Nelson, and I think they're going to say that about Kyle Pitts. So if you're the Falcons, then I assume if, if you were in charge of the Falcons, you're not looking to move out of that pick? Well, so I've heard that they're willing to move out if the, if the right offer comes out. Um, I've heard they are, actually, that it's the pitch chase or the right offer is what they're going to consider. So I don't think it's crazy that they can consider moving, but I thought was what was interesting is when I heard that, the person that told me that they would be willing to move, they acknowledged that the team's moving up. They expect them to move up. You know, this entire time people have said, well, it'll be Trey Lance or, or Justin Fields. Falcons think that anyone who trades up are going to be trading up more than likely for pits or chase. Uh, because of who number five and number six are in the draft, they both have needs at playmaker. And so the thought is, if a team, you know, trades up to a spot, they're usually trying to jump someone that's ahead of them. And it's for the, it's a position of need that that those teams have. When you look at five and six, playmaker not taking be, a quarterback could be that. No, I don't think Atlanta's taking a quarterback. No, I mean, I, don't I mean, you know, I've heard they don't like him. I'm saying you know, five, yeah. five and six aren't taking a yeah, quarterback. Five and, yeah, you're right. And five and six are not taking quarterbacks. So if, if you're seven looking could. to trade a quarterback, you probably want to trade up to seven, right? Instead of trading up to four? Yeah, I think so. I don't think Atlanta, I mean, I don't think the, the I think they're going to see what they have in uh, Jared Goff, and I think Carolina wants to see what they have in Sam Darnold. So 
I don't really buy in that either one of those spots are going to be quarterback draft picks for those teams either. Yeah, we were talking about the Falcons earlier, and it seems like if the Falcons were to trade out, it maybe suddenly defense becomes a priority because that's what you know. I know they like to keep drafting offense corner. guys, but man, if they even if they traded to eight or whatever with Carolina or whoever or nine, you could probably get either Sertain or Horn at nine. I mean, there, there's lots of options there. Yeah, yeah. You need corner, and so if you could move back, I mean, the dream scenario is nine to four because then. Nine, they would assure themselves of Justin Fields if, if Fields doesn't go number three. Uh, the Denver Broncos would. Fields could compete right away with Drew Locke. And if you move back to nine, you're probably going to get your first choice of cornerback yep. at number nine. So that would be the dream scenario is to go from, from four to nine because you probably lock in on your top cornerback on the board at number nine. Is this talk of trading Julio Jones? Is that just smoke screening, so so that it's uh, kind of masking what they might do at that at four, or is it? Are they seriously looking at having to do that in June? No, I think he's. I think he's going to be traded there. He, he cost them too much money. It's a bad deal for the Falcons. They gave away just a ton of money, and it's from a cap standpoint, they're getting murdered. And they had to redo Matt. Uh, they had to redo Matt Ryan's contract just to help them get under the cap this year. And in so doing, they've basically eliminated any chance of having a different quarterback play the position this year because of how much dead cap space there is this year. And, you know, next year is going to be a big hit, too. So with Julio Jones, they've got Calvin Ridley, who's a good player. Um, I think they are going to. The talk is that they will potentially listen to trades after July 1st so that they can slice some of the dead cap space between, you know, this year and next year. And once that happens, um, if that happens, then you know they'll 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 be in a better position cap wise. But Julio wasn't super healthy all the time last year, so I don't think that's any kind of smoke for it. I think that's real. I think they're going to end up moving off from Julio Jones this year. And if you had to bet on what quarterback the Patriots would have after this draft, who do you, who do you think they'll wind up with out of this? Uh, Justin Fields. But I just think they're so desperate. They, they spent money like a desperate, desperate team. I mean, this is the least Patriot thing I've ever seen. They look so nervous spending all this money in free agency. It's very reminiscent of what Philadelphia did back in the, the late 2000s with Cullen Jenkins and with Namdi Asamoa and Vince Young and all those moves that they made that ended up blowing up in their face it just really didn't bear any fruit. That's what New England looks like they're doing. They're trying to buy themselves in the relevance again in the AFC and I understand that Cam Newton is your, your fallback plan, but I think they're, they're going to want to get a quarterback that they feel like they can grow with. And to me, that guy would be uh, Justin Fields more than it would be like a Mac Jones. I could see them liking Mac Jones, but you know, you got to have the right pieces around him to really help him out. I don't know that New England has that. It's Lance Zerline, and uh, you can listen to him on the bench. You can also see his uh, NFL Network uh, appearances. When, when are you going to be on TV again, and when's the last mock draft? NFL, now, every day I'm on NFL Network. I do hits there, and then I guess I want to be on Total Access every day from, uh, like, 3 to 5. I'll be doing hits there. So <clears throat> those will be the TV hits from moving forward from this point on. And then after the draft, like 40 minutes after the draft, I'll be on and uh the NFL Now app or NFL.com where we'll be breaking down what happened in the, in the, in the draft. 
do you do your uh, do you deal with second round mock draft after the first like you've done? I do. Yeah, after the first round, I got to do a second and I do a TV show, and then after the TV show, and I'll do a the TV show is done. I'll do a second and third round mock, which usually takes about four hours, and that has to be turned in that night. So um, I'm going to do that, and then I'll be working that you guys are flip flopping with me, and then I know my my um, partner John is very tired right now. And so John is going to need some rest on Friday from the golf that he's playing. That's load so management. I'll just come in and do the. I'll just come in and do the show by myself so John can rest. That's load management. Yeah, John is load me. John is load me. <laughs> Terrible. I'm like Kawhi Leonard right now. Uh, all right, that's uh, that, that, <laughs> one of the most ironic things of all was uh, Charlie Palillo, who takes the most days off of anyone here, talking about he was complaining about Carlos Correa load managing. I was like, <laughs> Charlie, you work two hours a day, and you're t- you're complaining about load management. What are you talking about? All right, that's Lance Erline. Uh, see him uh, on NFL Network this week, yeah. and and, uh, and man, appreciate the time. Looking forward to hearing what you got to say on Friday. Okay, thanks, guys. We'll see. You. All right. Oh, I didn't realize that about Palula. Yeah, it's funny. Oh, I would have gotten a kick out of that. All right. We're going to take a quick break. Don't go anywhere. It's the Blitz on ESPN 97.5, This is the Blitz. the Blitz on ESPN 97.5. This is The Blitz on ESPN 97.5. And on ESPN 92.5. Live from the Veritex Community Bank Studios, here's Fred Fowler and A.J. Hoffman. And we are back on The Blitz. I don't know if you uh, saw this. Apparently there was like a Lone Star Poker thing going on. It, I don't know where Champions Poker Club is. Do, do we know where that is? Up on the north side, I believe. Oh, so yeah, it's, it's in like, town here. Yeah, I think it's like forty-five, and um, oh, maybe that's maybe I'm thinking. No, I'm thinking of Texas Card House. I mean, I would assume it's in. It's probably Bel Air Boulevard. Oh, okay. Actually, close, pretty close to here. Okay. Hmm. Uh, uh, d- Bel Air and Derry Ashford, basically. Okay. Yeah, that's not that close. To no, here. that's kind of. But the a video has gone out. I don't know if you saw it, but a dude gets all in with Jacks against Ace Jack and the guy calls out the entire board before it comes out. The and guy who... The, the guy with Ace Jack, basically. Uh, do, you, do you have the audio? Yeah. Could, if you can hear it. I mean, the audio was really crappy on my I computer. tried to boost it as much as I could, so okay. we'll see how this well, goes. Well, let's try it, yeah. Right, when he said, that's not good. Figure he was raising light there, but no, he had it. He has Jack. You're the one ahead, Troy. You don't need to flop anything. You just need to get to dodge the ace. And it does come ten nine eight. Strong, strong. Nice call by Troy. Do you know how hard that is for that to come out? Oh Wow. That is. Did you see that right now? They called the flop on the nose. 
Guard. It's a four. I don't know why you would call for the four spades on the turn, but there it is. It's a queen or seven to chop. It's an ace to win outright. Craziness at this table. Someone called that card? Yeah. The whole the flop and the turn. He called the flop and the turn. Just wait till you see it in the. So what's coming on the river? If two hearts come, y'all just tell us you need a If two hearts come, I'm leaving. You're leaving? Yeah. For 24 minutes, I'm going to take the break. River card. It's a two of hearts! Oh my god, baby! Stop! Stop! Oh, a lot of drama for literally nothing happening. Yeah. Other than him just calling the entire board ahead of time. Now, listen, I've done that plenty of times. I've said, if, I'm, if I've got the, uh, the jacks and someone turns ace jack, I've said, there's an ace coming. And then it comes every time. So I mean, that's, that's how it works. But they, they were a little more accurate than I would be. <laughs> well, the, the two hearts on the river is the one that gets I mean, it. I mean, nobody's called the four spades, right? That's true. Yeah, especially there. You're gonna, you'll say something like maybe he gets a jack, so he, you know, he, he hammers me here. But four spades and then two hearts. It's pretty... Uh, Pretty interesting. So I guess well, if you could make out that one guy saying, "Well, if you get this, if you actually get the river, we should just give you the tournament." I have a feeling he regretted saying that. Yeah, yeah. You don't give him the tournament though. He lost the hand. No, he didn't. No, he was the ace jack guy. Uh, his probability was like eighty-eight percent before that too. Mm, no, he was he was a guy with ace jack. The guy on the other side of the table had the jacks. I'll have to go back and watch the Boy, video. Yeah, again for yeah. No, the, no, the jacks, the jacks won. Not Ace Jack. He he needed a queen for a chop, or a seven. So, yeah, he he was right about what he was calling out, but his hand didn't win. <laughs> so there. How's this thing treating you here, Freddie? Uh, we won one through one, uh, which I actually feel pretty good about because one team had three shots and the other had four in the first period. <laughs> so, <laughs> uh. So there's no shots, but when they do shoot, they're scoring. That's good. Uh, yeah, yeah. So uh, I expect the game to open up a little bit in this period and uh, see a little scoring. All right. So, yeah. Uh, Dick Willie asking, Fred, did you see Mortal Wombat? Yeah, we talked about it earlier. It was, it, it was a show. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was a movie. People died. Yeah. There was some fighting. That was about it. Uh, My kids were like, how do you know all the characters' names before they say them? Magic. Just like those guys who called out the cards. I just knew. Well, it's a little different. You, you yeah, had, a little different. You had a little past performance action there working your way. They don't need to know that. So, uh, Speaking of, of movies, I saw the story today that uh, people in general... Do not trust movie critics. Except us, right? Well, yeah. I mean, I, I, I think we're pretty well established. Yeah. But they uh, they did a, a poll, and they looked at the pop culture habits of 2,000 respondents in the United States. Only 9% say they regularly turn to critics for advice on what to watch, read, or play. Instead, they cite close friends, family members, streaming platform algorithms, and even social media users before critics. Now, I think we kind of count as 
both close friends and family members. Yes. Well, not people. family members. No, sorry, not, the, not really uh, close friends either. We're just, 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 go, we're just, just guys go, on the radio. Just go with it. Just go with it. <laughs> okay. Jeez. Uh, but, yeah, I, I, I kind of, I mean, I think we're trying to, we're trying to fill that role a little bit. And somebody asked some thoughts on the Oscars last night. Didn't watch one second of them. <laughs> Haven't seen one of the movies. Um, and I watched the same amount of, as Fred did. Yeah, so no comments whatsoever. And I know a lot of people were upset the dead guy didn't win, but I didn't see the movie, so I can't tell you if he should have or not. This is, I, And we talked about this first. First time I can ever remember never having seen one of the movies. And the only one I'm even remotely interested in is that Mank because it's Fincher. But I'm not in any hurry to go see that. So we were both a little bit wrong. Yes, the guy who had jacks won, but the guy calling out the cards was the guy who had jacks. It huh? wasn't. It was Troy Clogston who had jacks, and he was the one making the call of all the cards. Because he's sitting on the side of the table with the ace jack. No, I think it was reversed because they had multiple cameras in that room. I have to go back and look, but it's, it looked to me like the guy who was calling out the stuff was sitting in front of the ace jack. Pokernews.com re- basically uh, went and typed out the entire transcript, and they refer to who's making the calls as Clogston, who had the jacks. Uh, here's some news, which um, you guys will find is a great surprise. Triller has sued 11 sites and 100 unnamed persons it alleges not only illegally streamed, but sold the pay-per-view broadcast of Jake Paul Ben Askren. And it alleges that these entities had 2 million streams at a loss of $100 million. Did, did they not see my poll before they even put the fight on? They should have known this was coming. Yeah. Uh, here's the best part. that Ryan Cavanaugh, who's the Triller co-controlling shareholder, says, It's shocking to think a theft so grand can be done so blatantly and brazenly and with no remorse. There is, di- there is zero difference between what they did and walking into a market stealing tons of a product and selling it at a discount in the parking lot. It's neither civilly nor criminally any different, and we are prosecuting to the fullest extent of the law. There were more than 2 million illegal streams, akin to hundreds of millions of dollars. Sites mostly using Google's YouTube, such as filmdaily.com, I'm not going to read all these .coms, and others are causing significant damage, not just to Triller Fight Club, but content creators overall. People put a lot of hard work, time, and money into creating a product for the consumer, and having it stolen and resold is terribly damaging. The good news is they're not protected by VPN masking or other firewalls as their activities are criminal and grand theft, so we will ultimately find them and prevail, not just for us, but for content creators in general. Um, I've got news for you, Triller guy. Welcome to selling fights. This is... This is the fight game now it's too easy for the and there's no if there was a way to shut this down do you not think the ufc would have done this or hbo boxing like this was fine this was a nice little event for you guys think about like hbo pay-per-view boxing was doing a pay-per-view a month for 15 years the ufc does a pay-per-view a month now they've been doing it for i don't know how long but they do it a lot they would have found a way. This is just, this is what you got to deal with now. There's people who will illegally stream your fights, whether it's, I mean, it's certainly not right, but they will do it. They're going to find a way. 
and you can say we're going to find them, you're probably not. So, can I just ask a question? Sure. A group that calls its fights Fight Club is bitching about somebody stealing something? Yes. Okay, just checking. Just just checking. Because you're not supposed to tell anybody about Fight Club, especially mm. illegal streamers. Uh, Are you mad that they took it off your boring-ass game and put it on this Blues-Avs game? Not really. Actually shooting? Not really. I'll, I'll, I'll watch the third okay. period when I get home. Uh, Fred, you see that Seattle Kraken is getting sued by a bar named the Kraken in Seattle. Really? That seems a bit... Uh, I mean, we kind of getting tired of lawsuits. How about work with them and make it your uh, make it a fan bar? Yeah, I, I I don't know how a team's name is influenced by a bar. So you, so the, the Astros couldn't change their name to Biggios? No. Okay, just checking. I'd have to I'd have to read up on that on why they think they have a case. It's weird. Yeah, well, I mean, the, I mean it's it's not like it's the same thing, right? I mean, one's it, a bar and one's a, a how how are you franchise. damaging? Yeah, uh, that. Now, if there were another hockey franchise called the Kraken, yeah, I could, I could see some beef. Yeah, but I'm afraid that that's not quite the same thing. Yeah, that's like saying, uh, oh well, there's a bar uh, called Rangers. Or th- no, there's a bar called Cowboys somewhere in Dallas, oh. uh, which I almost guarantee you because there's a bar in every like a a, a, hit, a redneck dance club called Cowboys, or a uh, a Latin dance bar in in South Texas called Cowboys. Or every Vicaros. little town, yeah. So good luck. <laughs> they're they're all suing the Dallas Cowboys now. Uh, it. I mean, is that name really that unique? Kraken? Yeah. I mean, I, I've... It's pretty unique for a for a sports team. For a sports team, but even for a bar near the water? Like, so... It, yeah, it's not like they invented the name Kraken. Yeah, that that came from that uh, movie with the the fake owl. Yeah. Yeah, that was uh, Clash of the Titans. That's where it came from. So... So... The bar that's suing them is a punk rock bar, and their issue is, is that they've been building a brand since 2011, according to this article, and when they start to have shows again, they want bands to actually search Seattle Kraken and find the bar again so they know where to book their shows. So, And call- so fans know how to find Seattle's Kraken bar. So if you type in Kraken bar, let's, let's try this. I'm going to type in Seattle... Or no, I'm going to type in Kraken Bar Seattle. It's the very first thing that pops up. The Kraken Bar and Lounge. So they're they're suing over the fact that there's a restaurant attached to uh, the Seattle Kraken's practice facility, for fans, I'm guessing, that is called the Kraken Bar and Grill. Ah, uh, okay. Ah, now so that, they that, made that change. Yeah, that, that, makes, that makes more that, sense. That, that, and that, that, the Kraken yeah. have already come out and said, you know what, we'll change it. Yeah, because we'll, we'll they're on wrong on different- that. Yeah. That, yeah, that's, that's, that I agree with. That's it, it, a totally different situation. That yes. wasn't it wasn't explained in the uh, in the Twitch. I yeah, I thought they were trying to say, hey, you can't name your hockey team this because yeah. we've got a bar named that, like some crappy dive bar. No, they, if, but, they, if they tried to attach yeah. a bar yeah. to their so the stadium. bar is named Kraken Bar and Lounge. That's the Rock Club. Yep. 
the Seattle Krakens is Kraken Bar and Grill that's attached to the no, yeah. no, you no, can't no, do that. No, no, you no. can't do that. You can't do that. You can name it the Clash of the Titans Bar and Grill. Or the Zeus Bar and Grill. Yeah. Or what's Or the, you can name it the Kraken Lounge and Bar. Mm, no. Mm, don't think so. But I mean there's plenty of stuff you can do there. The Neptune Bar and Grill. Wasn't that wasn't he uh the Tentacle Shack? But I mean, wasn't Neptune the father of the Kraken? Or weren't they like party buddies or something? I don't know. It's been a long time since I've seen I would that. just call it the uh, the blue line. That's what I would call it. Poseidon is the Kraken's father. Oh, okay. So Poseidon. Yeah, Poseidon and Neptune are, depending on the myth, are the same thing, right? God of The god of the ocean? I believe so. Yeah. So it is Poseidon. I'd call my bar, my hockey bar, shots on goal. That's not bad. You looking to score? Shots on goal. I don't think you can do that anymore. What? Yeah. Or five hole? Do people go to bars for other uh, reasons? Yeah, you can't. You can't five hole it anymore either. Not since if she gives you written not since consent. No, nope, not since Deshaun. We can't no, do any no, of this no, stuff. No, no, no. You're changing the nope, rules. No, nope. hey, he changed the rules, not us. All right. <laughs> Quick break. One segment to go. It's a bliss at ESPN 97.5, 92.5. Hey, you are listening to The Blitz on ESPN 97.5. I don't know how I can explain that in a cooler and more doper fashion. Listening to the Blitz on ESPN 97.5 and on ESPN 92.5. Live from the Veritex Community Bank Studios. Here's Fred Fowler and AJ Hoffman, and we are back on the Blitz. Uh, still one one. I need some scoring here. Are we at least on a power play. Is that why they cut in? Can't tell. No, it's too far away. Oh, so no power play. Just let's get a regular goal, guys. All right, uh, let's do a little dumbass report. Let's start with Florida, man. What is what are the things if you if you were robbing a place, like what would be your priorities? Uh, it depends on what kind of place I'm robbing. Well, like a, I'm, a bank. Oh, I'm going for the uh, I'm going for the big money. I'm going for the gold bar. Right, but what what's your priority when planning the bank robbery? Escaping. Yeah, your getaway car is an important thing, right? Yeah. Well, a man is behind bars after he was arrested inside a bank during an attempted robbery. Joshua Snavely, who looks like Florida man. Yeah, that's about like as Florida man as you drew a picture gets. of Florida man. That, how old do you think that person is that I just showed he's you? 38. He's 36. Okay. He, he looks like he's 42, 45. Uh, he approached the window, read the teller a prepared note saying that he was robbing the bank and that she was to give him the money. The teller looked to a co-worker who then activated the alarm. Police said both tellers then went to the back of the bank and called police, offering a description from the surveillance video. When officers arrived, they said they found Snavely still standing in the same spot in front of the teller window. Police said they found the notepad on Snavely with the robbery note he had read to the tellers. He's being held on $5,000 bond on a charge of attempted strong-arm robbery. So he... I guess they were like, okay, we'll be right back with the money. 
And he just stood there and waited for 10 minutes. Not one, guys. It's a crap. That's a really, really, really... Can I just give you a little PSA if you're going to rob a bank? Use some kind of gas that knocks everybody out and then you know wear a disguise when you go in and take all the money. And when they wake up, you're long gone. That, that's probably a better move than what this guy yeah, just, did. I mean, I'm just saying. Um, you know, the, the when they did the Capitol riots thing, uh, it looked like, the, the I mean, the, the person who lost the most in that was that lady who got shot, right? That was, that was a bad move. Yeah. She, now she's dead. Yeah. Looks like the guy who got it next worse was a Trump supporter who was indicted on 12 charges last month including assault of a federal officer during the January 6th attack. He's been denied bail and is still remaining in jail. He basically punched a federal cop during the riots. He's still in jail today and being denied bail. Uh, That seems a little harsh. I I don't know. I guess uh, they say in the ruling, he said he agreed with prosecutors that the 44-year-old gym owner and MAGA rioter showed no remorse for storming the Capitol and had a history of criminal violence. In other words, the defendant's history of punching people in the face suggests he may punch people in the face again. Mm-hmm. And, I, and anyone dumb- I mean, I have a history of that. I would hope that I'm not jailed over it. Yeah, but anybody dumb enough to punch a federal officer is more of a you're, danger to the... Yeah, you're kind of asking for... Uh, you're, you're asking for trouble there on that one. So I, I can't... Um, I can't feel bad for him, but that is... Uh, that is a long time to be in jail. But that, that happened in January. But well, what are you going to do? Um, a Virginia woman has been fired from her job uh, after being caught on video. She works at a food bank, so she's you know she's a very giving person. Um, but she's not a really nice person when it comes to her black neighbors. Uh, because the black neighbor's doorbell camera caught her saying, you're not the right color, honey. Um, that is racist. In the video, the neighbor can be heard repeating, I'm an N-word. Yes, you are. Yes, you are, honey. Uh, the end of the video shows the woman wearing a name tag, which appears to be a work badge that reads Hillary. According to the uh, Progress Index, the local newspaper, the cause of the confrontation is unknown. However, the neighbor, Laquetta Good, said that it stemmed from an issue between their children. I feel like a prisoner in my own home. She's called me many names before, but to hear her being racist, that really shocked me. If you're a turd, it's going to come back to you. Yeah. In response to this situation, we've terminated the employee, says the, uh, we here at the food bank are brokenhearted to view this conduct as it goes directly against our values. And now this woman's been fired. Not wise, guys. Like, listen. There's cameras everywhere now. Yeah, I mean, like if you're gonna be racist, do it in your own home on your own time. Don't don't let anybody see it because this is what happens. You're an idiot. Um, and finally, the police in D.C. were trying to stop a drag race. Can't have that on the streets of our nation's capital, right? No. Well, they were finally able to stop it after. Uh, they, they they dragged race each other so they, they said well it turns out they were the ones they were the ones doing the drag racing so now it's been stopped because they told their cop cars come on cops 
Yesterday, two 60 scout cars were totaled because officers decided instead of fighting crime, patrolling their beats, or engaging the community, they decided to drag race each other. That's coming from the police themselves. Oh, boy. Uh, sources say this email was sent to command staff following the crash. What, is the, what does this say to all members of MPD who are p- passionate about their job and work hard every day to make a difference? This is not fair to any of us, which I would say is probably right. The uh, car's value, they were they got up, up to uh, over 90 miles an hour. The cars are valued at over $120,000 each. Womp, womp. And that's your dumbass report, Freddie. But at least the drag racers are off the streets, finally. Yeah, yeah. Damn drag racers. It's getting to be a problem. All right. That's Tomorrow, gonna... we'll spend all day previewing Rockets Timberwolves, the game of the year, baby. All right. I want everybody to bring five key facts about that game tomorrow that we can all contribute. Number one, Kevin Garnett played for the Timberwolves. Number one, Akeem Olajuwon played for the Rockets. Number two, Tom Gugliotta played for the Timberwolves. My number one is that we'll be played at Houston's Toyota Center. Okay. Number two, we'll formerly will be- ca- formerly called Lakewood Church. No, your fact is incorrect. <laughs> All right, guys, that's going to wrap it up. We will be back tomorrow. Till then, stay sportsy, bitches.